0: Hello, it's Pete here, and welcome to EdTech Innovators. This week, we're speaking to a self-proclaimed polymath, Dustin Miller. Thank you for coming on the show, Dustin Miller. Uh, You describe yourself as a poly innovator, or a polymath of innovation, with a wide range of interests and a deep knowledge in many areas. Uh, That's very, very alluring. Can you please explain...
1: Yeah, so it's a personal brand at this particular point in time. So it's it's essentially like a second name, my online reputation, so to speak. But the actual concept itself is could be applied to really anybody. So if someone 100 years from now, or 10 years from now, next year wants to apply that polyinnovator term, they might be able to adopt it as well. Kind of like the idea of a polymath. A polymath is someone who's heavily interested or heavily knowledgeable in many different areas. So like Benjamin Franklin, Elon Musk, or Leonardo da Vinci. And I don't consider myself necessarily a polymath just yet. It's a more of an aspiring one because it's a high level of knowledge to get to that point and I feel like I still have plenty to learn before then so it's more of a universalist at this point of skill level. Uh, polymath innovation is the kind of area that I want to work towards which is why I created the idea of poly innovator. love it so I'd imagine intertwined with
0: that or inseparable from that is the notion of creativity so you need to be a very creative person so what's your take on, on what creativity means to you?
1: I've always been a creative person. In fact, I got in trouble in school for not focusing on the work and to start writing stuff or drawing stuff. And so I've always been a creative outlet kind of guy. So I started doing graphic design with these 2D characters called Spriting. I've also done graphic design for marketing and various creative outlets like that, as well as just creating content for my brand.
0: Okay, so you are a content creator. So, um, can we geek, geek out for a minute or so Dustin um, so what, what do you use yeah. for your content creation? So um, what kind of software do you use for, and, and platforms and so on?
1: So I'm an omni content creator So I like to say it at this point because what I try to go for is that omni channel approach where I can be everywhere at once Which mm-hmm. is kind of like a polymath approach in a way and so I try to be on different platforms and by doing so, you have to find systems to really make it work and find ways to automate certain things without being like scummy in some places because some people really start automating everything it just seems like robotic. Mm -hmm. So I tried to find tools like, at the current point, I've tried over 90 social media management tools and almost none of them are up to par for my satisfaction. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm just being extra picky or whatnot, but um, one little thing I like to do is using Zapier and CoSchedule, the SIG notifications to make a campaign for the blog post, uh, video on the YouTube channel and Polycast.
0: Mm, so is that, i mean, it fascinates me, um, is there a, correct me if I'm wrong, is, is there a danger that you end up, um, I suppose, posting the same message across multiple platforms and really the skill is to actually speak the language of specific platforms, does that make sense? So uh, how, do you, how do you get around that?
1: So first off, I also have context when it comes to when I post. So my idea is I, I've cultivated this after like researching a whole bunch of different places and scheduling it the day of, the day after, a week later, a month later, and then a year later, maybe half a year later too. But that kind of intervals is very important for the longevity of a post or a video, but it doesn't most tools can't do it. So I actually used Zapier and I tested them out to get a multi-Zap system to try to do it but they were too limited on the delay function as well as just the execution of it kept breaking down on that particular tool. Whereas like CoSchedule or Social Blue could probably do it a little bit more easily. Mm, I see. So,
0: so it's really um, in harmony with other, other platforms. So uh, mm-hmm. for, for example, things like Aweber or whatever to, to manage your email list and so on.
1: Yeah. So like Zapier is more of a connection tool. I tried using it as an actual management tool, but it didn't work. But mm. if you try to use it in connection as a bridge, it works quite a bit. Yeah, okay. Now, you said that you're interested
0: in um, online education too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, obviously, that's a great meeting of minds here, justin
1: is it not? So, uh, tell yes. us a bit about that. So, at a college, I mean, at the college, scratch gotcha. that. After high school, I decided that I wasn't really into college, and I wanted to pursue my own self-development. So for seven years after that, that's what I focused on, is just learning new things on my own. And I think that was pretty wise for me, because I don't think I would have done well in school. I never did well in high school. I wasn't a very good academic, but I always loved learning. In fact, one of my best learning experiences in high school was when I went to the library and read through the entire philosophy and religion section in a matter of months, just burned through it all, because it was so engaging to me. And then when I got out of high school, I had the freedom of time to do whatever I wanted. And I had all these different hobbies and also habits that I needed to do, exercise, meditate, uh, create content, and just be able to accomplish all of those, not to mention take courses, read books. So I had to learn how to manage my time, focus on self development, how to learn, what I think is a really big thing. And so that's one thing we might get into later is the idea of how to learn.
0: Mm. I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? Because you're obviously alienated, if you like, by school. Uh, as it was, uh, but in your experience, what would you have changed if you were going to go to school now? How would you like it to be?
1: Well, my framework that I've been developing for Poly Innovator and just in general for education and, and the whole world is this modularity, this modular degree framework, and I, I I say degree as kind of in the context of a college student or adult essentially to pivot careers something like that. But I do think this idea could be applied to K through 12 too, for primary and secondary schools. And so I think that having a modular approach, focusing on what that particular student needs, not what the academics want them to learn.
0: Yeah. So th- th- I suppose the argument is that what the academics want them to learn is politically driven or ideologically driven or functionally driven and is based upon a sort of uh, very outdated 19th century uh, factory model. Though though that is starting to change, I would like to think. Yeah. So um, you said that you did uh, a year's online learning as well. So how was that for you?
1: So um, I've taken a lot of online MOOCs as well. So a lot of these online courses and a lot of open courseware, and that interested me in a point where I was like, can I find some kind of online college that I would like? And so during my researches, during these like research phases for of degree and for my own endeavors as well, I found Foundry College, which is a new school in San Francisco, where they tried this all online. And they try to focus on the neuroscience of learning and the peer working. So you have the lectures, you have the classes, and they built their own platform called the Forge, which allows you to see all the students at once or the scrolling. And they have the teacher there, the slides there, and then they have these breakout groups where you can work in smaller pods together.
0: It's oh, okay. Interesting, but yeah. Okay, so was that? An in- I'm not familiar with the Forge. Was that an in-house creation or was that the was that a third-party thing?
1: I've done plenty of podcasts with kids around and whatnot. So if we need to like breathe. if you want to go back inside you can get like Ethernet connection, that's fine too. <laughs> it, um, it's it's um.
0: it's okay. I mean in terms of sound it's a lot better too because my office is quite echoey. So uh this, this is quite a, quite a good sound. Um okay, so we we should be alright from now on, I think. Um okay, you're recording a, again. Yeah, we're recording again. Okay. Okay, so we we were talking about um, online courses and your experience of them and let's uh, move on to talk about your own podcast as well. So this has okay. been going for a while. So uh, you've taken a, a, a great leap forward, haven't you, with your podcast re- recently?
1: Yeah, so I've actually always created a lot of different kinds of content. started out with a blog post, making a YouTube channel, and then the polycast as well. And I think it's interesting because recently, with the whole quarantine going on, there's been a lot more people available to do interviews. And I came across a platform called Matchmaker.fm, which we found each other on. And it was a really easy way to connect with people. And so I managed to get, at this point in time, uh, going on eight different shows, as well as having around 22 different guests on my own show. So it's really a way to kind of expand a network and create some unique interviews.
0: Absolutely, yeah. My, my podcast has gone insane after that. After, after uh, joining Matchmaker, it's it, it's a really effective platform. I think anybody who has a podcast should definitely join it. Don't you think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've
1: been a big proponent of them.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I think that when you ask people to be on your podcast, they never say no, do they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I've had one person say no. I think
0: but that was it. I've had one person say that they're a bit busy at the moment. Can you ask me in yeah. a few weeks' time? But it's, but never a flat no. Yeah. yeah, interesting. So, um, so what, what's changed for you now? You have guests on your podcast then, so it, um, in terms of things like the profile of your podcast.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, for the most part, I I create content in a didactic sense. I like teaching. We're talking about how beforehand I I taught uh, physical exercise for almost a decade now. And so I've always been this kind of teacher. I've always had this knack for teaching and I love doing it. So the content that I create in the context of an educational format. And so I started doing these normal medium-sized posts for a long time. And then my Omni content, which is a multi-platform on the channel approach gets repurposed into a, a podcast as well, a polycast. And so I have that medium sized one. And then I've always started doing these little micro blurbs recently where I started doing these like short form ones. So people can come in, hear this idea and move on. Mm-hmm. And then what the interviews, I get the long form. So I get the three tri- like a trifecta of sorts of these three different content types, different links. So if someone wants to come in, hear an idea real quickly, cool. If they have time while they're on a walk, listen to an interview like this. Cool. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing.
0: Yeah. to you do all this on your own? Cause it's very time consuming. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, have you ever thought of hiring
1: somebody in Bangladesh or somewhere to, to do it for you? <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't, I, I'm a perfectionist. So I think quality is kind of an issue there. And I actually had recently tried to experiment to someone um, who speaks English and whatnot very well, but like to edit my, one of my videos. And so this kind of delegating been hard because I like having my own personal touch. Mm. I know
0: it's difficult, isn't it? I know that when you, when you look at social media gurus like Gary Vaynerchuk and, and people like that, they, they are very hands-on with their own content. They do have you know, trusted professionals who can help them, but it's really their own content, isn't it, most of, the, most of the time? And that feels real.
1: Well, and it also comes down to what tools you're using. We were geeking out earlier about one and uh, a couple of whatnot, and one of them I really always talk about a lot is repurpose.io. Which automatic, it's like Zapier, but for content. So you have an input and an output. And so for example, I always start with a Facebook video because this tool, likes it better this way because when you do that you can do the uh, captions through Facebook you can do that on YouTube too it's just a little bit easier on Facebook to edit them and stuff like that you make this captions of the video and then you can turn that into a YouTube video right off the bat automatically send it there you can send it to an IGTV format video that you can post manually on IGTV and it takes the captions you made on Facebook and automatically puts it in there so it takes it to eat time off of editing and formatting for different platforms much more
0: Mm, absolutely, a lot, a lot of that sort of you know, legwork, if you like, um, mm-hmm. heavy lifting for video editing, doesn't seem necessary anymore, does it? Because um, yeah. are you? I don't mean this in a sort of disrespectful way, but do you find that your, your videos don't need to be that you know professional looking? They 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 need to feel spontaneous. Spontaneity is perhaps more important than professionalism.
1: Not necessarily. So I try to go for that professionalism when it comes to my recorded stuff, but for the live streams, I've been experimenting with more spontaneous stuff. Mm,
0: absolutely. So there's a, a real distinction there, isn't it, between the live yeah. streams and, and, the, uh, and the more professional looking stuff. Yeah. So what's what's next for you then, Dustin? What's uh, next for Dustin Miller?
1: So Poly Innovator, as my personal brand, is the whole hub of innovation that I try to work on. And the first phase of that that I want to go into is self-education or just really higher education in general, just education as a whole, I guess you could say. And so the first phase of content has been around this modular degree idea where I want to focus on the modularity of education. So I started out with this mini course on self development a term I coined to kind of combine a trifecta of self-education, self-development, and self-improvement not necessarily in that order actually, but i guess going to edit that out. So (laughs) self-education, self-improvement and self-development because what happens is when you have a system like that, you can organize your learning and your personal growth in this way. You're able to have the foundation of education, the consistency of improvement and the exponential factor of development. Mm,
0: Okay. So who would be your client base? Would it be universities, for example, or would it be uh, people who want to learn independently? Who would it be?
1: So when you say client base, it makes it almost in the way of monetization, which has been something that I've been having a hard time with because I don't want to sell a lot of this too much, but I also do want to sell courses and stuff like that and help coach people along the way. I'm thinking that I won't be able to sell coaching or like that for this for a while because I want to help people get started and it's more important to build traffic and a community than it is for me to monetize off of it. So the actual clientele would be more, or the persona, I guess you could say, would be people who are wanting to pivot careers or people like me who are more polymathic and the traditional school system has, has been focusing purely on the specialists, like you alluded to with the whole factory preparation back in the Industrial Revolution. Our education system hasn't changed since then. For 100, 150 years, it's been focused on the specialists. For me, I'm trying to focus on the interdisciplinary people, people with wide ranging talents and interests.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so therefore, people can actually find something that's a bit more bespoke um, to them, which has been lacking. You, you, even you know, you're 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 a young man, Dustin, and uh, even when you were at school, um, you found that it wasn't really you know tailor-made, if you like, um, to you. Uh, probably because that's a very difficult thing to to, to make happen, isn't it? To actually True. make a bespoke education system.
1: Well, and I, I don't, I think there's two kind of concepts that are going on here. There, there's the idea of people like me who are more generalist and universalist or polymathic, whatever term you want to use, these, these wide range of interest kind of people, jack of all trades, so to speak. And there's also just the, the change of this, how we approach education. I don't think the traditional schooling system actually works very well because it's focused too much on retention and not enough on competency and that kind of thing, which is why the common core came about in mathematics for a lot of these newer schools in the U S mm. and there's a lot of mixed feelings on that, but the whole point was it that if one particular mathematics route didn't work, you could switch to another one, mm-hmm. which I didn't actually understand that when I was in high school. They tried applying it when I was gra- around my last couple of years is when they first started introducing it. And they didn't do very well at explaining what it actually was for. And so I think that's one issue with it. But it's the attempt to try to help people focus more. So I think education really benefits a student or a person who is trying to learn an autodidact, if you will, by making someone engaged with it. If you're actually able to focus and engage with it, you're gonna retain more of it, especially if a are the process and interleaving as well. Mm.
0: So, yeah, uh, well, uh, let's ask a, a difficult question. I should have a jingle for this, shouldn't I? I? difficult question time, but uh, you'll have been asked that's this question. Yeah, that's right. Um, you'll have been asked this question a million times, of course, Dustin, but is, is there a danger, of course, that if you take this polymathic approach, that people become a jack of all trades and a master of none?
1: So I think there's a distinction there that needs to be made. A jack of all trades is not a polymath. And it's almost a spectrum, if you will. And the actual saying of jack of all trades, master of none, but also maybe master of one is, is, is often cut out. And so they say jack of all trades or master of none. And it's not about mastery oftentimes. It's about how well you know that knowledge. You don't have to be a master to be really good at it. So Josh Kaufman talks about you can learn a skill really well in 20 hours. And so I think it really comes down to seeing it as a spectrum. You have jack of all trades, generalist, universalist, which is is where i kind of see myself at this point and then a polymath and if you want to like go even farther than that leonardo da vinci could be like a true polymath someone who's really mastered many areas i think a polymath in general is someone who's heavily knowledge in that area maybe not mastered but well versed deeply in that area in many areas
0: yeah that's right and that is that this is a slightly obvious statement but uh, it'd be good if you could Kind of back me up on this one, but it's because that people are no longer a wheelwright or a bell ringer. This one thing, you know, people used to go to work and do one thing all day. Wow, (laughs) sounds sounds quite cool, doesn't it? But not anymore.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's it's honestly just a uh, misconstrued of how the society's been formed because we're polymathic in general. Like human nature is to do many things. We, as a baby, you're not going to sit there and just play with one toy. You're going to play with all of them. You're going to do a lot of things. You're curious about a lot of different things. Your why may even be doing one thing but you're going to have to do many things to get to that point in your life and so the idea of specialist is not negative it's just overly used
0: it really is and um well i'd imagine that mirrors the way that you forged a niche for yourself or a niche for yourself over the last couple of years i mean that that must feel very satisfying for you that you forged this thing that is very much your own
1: yeah well and the really interesting part is i've been especially since I started doing these interviews is that I'm not alone. Like there's a lot of people, there's uh, Eric Wallace who created Polymath Playground, uh, Mark, Michael Barnathan who did uh, Project Polymath, where he was trying to create a university for polymaths, literally. And so I just had, I had both of them on my show too. And it's interesting to see, actually someone actually pointed this out to me, how when he first found out the idea of polymath coming on my show, he saw that it wasn't just me doing it, there was actually a movement going on with it. And I think that with modern technology, we've been able to communicate a lot more and starting to convert this societal concept that we needed to be specialists, that we need specialists and polymaths.
0: Mm. well th- this has been a, a really fascinating conversation dustin and i'm really grateful that you uh you asked to be on on the show because uh i said at the start before we started recording that you know the way that you're thinking is very much aligned with this podcast you know because you, you're all about creativity and innovation and education and of course positivity uh or are you did you ever have bad days where you don't feel very positive
1: yeah but i think that uh, you can almost think of teaching like acting in a way. And so like, for example, if I have a bad day and I have to go teach a fitness class, I'm going to get in the right mindset. I was actually talking to a podcast host the other day on my show and both of us were super tired. Both of us were really busy that day, but we both were able to just click into position. Like, okay, we're about to be on the show, get that like positivity. And by the end of it, you become more positive anyways. You start doing the endorphins and oxytocin for talking to people and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, many there's many good things about teaching, and one of them is it certainly teaches you to get over yourself, doesn't it? When, you, yeah, yeah. when you're feeling like you you know, I don't really feel like this today. I'm not, I'm not into it today, but you just, look, as you said, you go in and go ping. You, you just turn it on, don't you? Go into teacher yeah. mode. So um, that, that's great. Um, one more thing. How's your fitness?
1: Good. Um, I, I will say that the modular degree as something we can talk about a little bit later, too, is definitely motivated me to actually be more exercise oriented as well just because my job has been i've also realized that in order to have a strong brain to learn and have an overall open mind and having the grit to get past some of the hurdles when it comes to learning i I learned a lot of that willpower and grit from exercise and so my exercise has always been pretty good i can stay pretty strong this period because i choose to do so and that self-development i think is important Mm.
0: Dustin has just shown me some impressive biceps, I have to say. Oh, so.
1: Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so, well, yeah, uh, what
0: about this mo- modular degree then? So tell us a little bit more about, about that.
1: Well, and that's one of the reasons why I thought it would be really important to come on this podcast here, today because this modern degree, I'm hoping to pioneer this education revolution. I think that you're aligned with this idea as well. There's a lot of things changing, especially with the quarantine. I think it's actually hyper growth in a lot of areas. Zoom has become more of a classroom, which is not necessarily good because it's not made for that. It's made for meetings like this where we can talk about stuff. But even that There's compression. There's a lot of issues with technical difficulties with Zoom. So I think there's a lot of innovation involved when it comes to the software side. But when it comes to the actual framework and how we approach uh, education, that's what I wanted to change. So I took this idea from gaming called skill trees. So if you go playing a video game and you want to get a skill to, hey, I want to jump this far or I want to have a fireball or something like that. You go into the menu and you have these skill trees you go down and the farther you go down, the more skills you accumulate and the better you get at that particular skill. And throughout the game, you actually use it more. So you as a player actually get better at the skill as well in the context of the gaming, I wanted to take this idea and approach it to education. So why can't we have skill trees when it comes to courses? If we want to take a MOOC, and there's sort of aspects of that particular, like let's say programming, you need to know the syntax, you need to know how loops work, you need to know how uh, this particular language is in a big macro kind of big picture view. There's three different areas that you need to learn. Most people approach it as boom, 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 but Let's say you get bored in the middle of that, and then you stop taking the course altogether. Well, if you have a skill tree based approach, you can actually have both all those little subset of skills for this main overarching skill branched out. And if you get bored down one path, you can switch onto another one and keep that engagement going. Not only does it help with the interleaving where you're actually changing what you're learning over time to actually keep your focus going, but it also will help with the difficulty and help you get into a state of flow. Wow
0: so gamification is so crucial for so many reasons isn't it i mean not just uh, about because of engagement because of but because gamification is part of our lives parts of many parts of our lives so things like you know you have if, if you have a bank account there would be elements of that that are gamified you now if you yeah. uh, you have a your store card and um, that's gamified as well isn't it so uh, so it's so crucial isn't it really um yeah. And of course, there are many very disengaged kids who can spend like 12 hours a night (laughs) playing playing, playing Fortnite or something. So uh, excellent. Um, How's it going to look then? Uh, So so give us an idea of how it it would actually look um, to be on
1: this course. Yeah, so it's not even just the course itself. It's more of a way to actually, I almost think of it as a learning management system in a way. And so I'm thinking about how I can technically develop it as well. But there's also the idea of community. So a lot of people still say college is worth it because of the network you built. I don't think it's worth it financially at this point because spending $100,000 to meet new people when you can go down to a networking event and kind of do the same thing. There's a difference in opinion there. But when it comes to peer review and having people who are in the same pathway as you, but maybe let's say they're going down one skill tree and you're going down a different branch but you both need to know both that information you can share your knowledge and teach each other and I think it's a really cool thing to talk about with peers and then you could also have the idea of digital mentors someone who could who's farther along than you either as a teacher or TA or just another student who's farther along the track mm-hmm. can go back and help teach you a new thing and that kind of community is important and a lot of online school has discussion forums but that's that's the extent of it, it doesn't really help too much
0: yeah, what about the coaching that's that's required to um to, to enable people to um to, you know, review each other's work you know, that, that, that aspect of peer review needs a bit of coaching doesn't it a lot mm. of coaching
1: well and i think that there's a matter of like lectures and MOOCs can help kind of take the form of that but mm. and i don't know how i could I'm still discovering this myself. I don't know how I can set up a system where I can have that and actually get coaches on board and that kind of thing. But I think this idea of how you change how we approach a course or education, especially in a modern context online, we have all these wealth of resources. I started out because I had a whole list of over 400 courses and videos that I wanted to watch. And so I just needed a way to organize it all. And so I actually chose this master degree format or do it yourself degree, as I called it at the time to Organize what I was doing. I trimmed the fat a couple of times. Now it's close to do one hundred and twenty-five or so. So it's much more condensed and actually executable. Mm. But it's a matter of organizing the execution of what you wanted to learn. Mm. So if I
0: if I took your course, um, well, I'm a bit busy actually. Just but if I, did, <laughs> if I did take your course, which I really, I'd really love to honestly, yeah. um, I I wouldn't feel isolated because I'd be part of a community, mm. right? I'd get some meaningful feedback, not just from the teachers but from my peers too and that would be that would feel inclusive and honest and transparent and it wouldn't feel like people were trolling me yeah right um, the I'd feel engaged as well the, the activities would be interesting they'd be challenging and they'd be um, but they'd be scaffolded they, they'd be they'd be doable and if mm-hmm. I fell behind I'd find it quite relatively easy to, to catch up
1: right and again this is more hypothetical for the most part but I I do have a self-education mini course that I started out with to try to help teach people how to approach, how to learn. And I use that as a prerequisite to free course, but, and right now I've actually had issues with my learning management system on my website. So I'm actually exploring new options for that, especially considering the skill tree approach. None of these current systems are going to be able to do it really well, if at all. I think Udemy is trying to do something similar with different modules you can do, but it's not quite there yet. Mm. And so I'm trying to think about how I could build a learning management system and LMS to approach this skill tree based learning really. So I can just build courses right now. It's not even just about changing education as a whole, but try to experiment and pioneer it so I can help actually do something more down the line. I think right now I'm not good enough as a teacher online to actually do what I'm trying to create as well.
0: Mm. And Because you like doing things yourself, you know, you're, you're very independent. That should help you avoid paying a hundred thousand dollars for an LMS, yeah. shouldn't it?
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. If you had that kind of money to spend, it would be very easy. Believe me, As somebody, could, there are many people who could uh, sell you an LMS for a hundred thousand dollars.
1: Well, it's not about selling me an LMS. I've looked at every LMS. I looked at Canvas, Blackboard, Tutor LMS, Master Study, all the all the WordPress ones, all the uh, external ones, Teachable, Thinkific, Kajabi, uh, Podia, teach, Teachable. I've looked at all of them. None of them can do what I'm trying to do. Mm. And I think that's kind of a key thing to Think to, uh, to change ideas of there because what happens is when we want to approach education we're, we're in a very linear format and so kind of going back to the distinction of a polymath versus just a normal student I think both need this new idea mm-hmm. especially polymaths, because we have wide-ranging interests we're not going to be focused on just one for, for a long time and it's not like an ADHD kind of thing it's more of just we're going to get bored after a while and I want to make sure that people stay engaged and I think a lot of people are more polymathic than they realize too.
0: Yeah, well, our attention spans are certainly shorter, aren't they? Yeah, definitely, <laughs> too. And that's something to bear in mind, isn't it, I think, with, the, with planning uh, education, that people's attention spans are very, very short indeed. Um, I mean, I, I often use the example of video that um, many years ago, you could actually play a video and people would sit and watch it for an hour because it was educational. Imagine that now. Uh, yeah. they, they'd last two minutes before they got bored.
1: Well, and it, again, it's not even necessarily society in general. Sure, the society has gotten lower attention spans, but people who are pursuing self-development and pursuing education are better at it. They're able to apply themselves more. I think my limit is 13 minutes, and that was when I tried meditating because so my attention span, and that happened multiple times, which is how I got the data points. But oftentimes when I'm watching a video, if I get bored, I look down at the time from 13 minutes in. But if you have the grit and self-discipline, it's like, no, I'm going to keep watching. Or if you're just interested in the video itself, then you're going to be more inclined to actually watch it and not even pay attention to the time. And I think that's kind of a key point to make too is that that's why I wanted to engage that flow where if you are bored with something, interleave it with another, either subject altogether, another skill tree or some other part of the branching of that particular skill tree you're already on.
0: That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Activities that are engaging so that you're never passive. You're never passively watching a video, which is you know, something that's very, very out of dating indeed, isn't it? Yeah. That is not it you're passively watching something. Wow, this this is um, super exciting, Justin. It really is. Um, and um, are you are you sleeping at the moment? This is
1: so many hours flying, so many ideas flying around your head. I don't know if if you're gonna have the recording of the video or not, but I got bags underneath my eyes. I don't sleep very much, <laughs> but I, uh, I I'm a night owl anyway, so I think that's right. part of it. Where I I don't like waking up early, but I try to get enough sleep and. I'm trying to create this framework, but I'm also trying to create content. My main series is the Omni content, which is a, uh, creating a blog post, turning that into a slideshow, turning that into a video, turning that into a polycast. So I get all the formats of people who learn an auditory way or visual or reading. They have the ways they want to learn that specific knowledge area. And then I have the polycast interviews as well. So I have all these different things going on in life, not to mention day job too, and in my own learning endeavors. So. It's going to take a while to get this built up, I think. And I I accept that. And the more people I talk to like you, the quicker I can get ideas and quicker I can get people working with me to build it up.
0: Absolutely. Well, I mean, my final question is one that I've asked just about everybody on the podcast, uh, because my podcast started at the Bet Show in London, the big uh, trade show for edtech. And the, and of course, um, you know, the uh, trade sorry, the XL Convention Centre became a coronavirus hospital uh, several weeks later. So the question is always, how has lockdown presented opportunities for you that have made you very you know, um, excited?
1: I think I mentioned this earlier because of lockdown, I had the chance to have interviews on my podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I had no inclination to do it beforehand. I had always liked the idea of doing interviews. I saw like Lewis Howes or some uh, other some famous podcast or Pat Flynn or just doing pe- people who do interviews. And I'm like, I don't really want to do that. Uh, Tom Billieux and that kind of thing. I really want to do that. But I'm not that creative active listening yet. I also don't know how to reach out to them. I think Matchmaker made it really easy for that. But um, like, I don't think I would have been able to get started with that as soon as I did without that kind of change, global change.
0: Absolutely, I just meant that things like using Zoom—that used to be an issue for people, didn't it? People think, "Oh, I don't really know how to use Zoom." Now it just seems like just about everybody's using it.
1: Well, and as we experience today, there's a lot of technical problems with Zoom too, still too.
0: There are absolutely, um, maybe less so than other platforms, would you say? I, mean, I always find that Skype, for example, is really yeah. dr- drains your computer quite a lot. It's really data heavy, isn't it?
1: Maybe I, I haven't necessarily noticed that because I have a gaming PC, but like uh, Skype and Google Hangouts and Zoom, they're main trifecta, but I actually still think Zoom is top tier. There's only one in our platform that has better video and audio for recording that I found and that's riverside.fm, okay. but it's kind of pricey, but like, oh, it's a right. good way to actually get uncompressed, uncompressed data. So if we want to make these videos that are completely natively recorded. Mm, okay. So it sounds more professional, of course. So that's
0: worth yeah. um, looking into, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Mind you, I've only just paid for my upgrade to, <laughs> to, yeah. to Zoom Pro. I understand. So, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, well. Well, f- fantastic. Well, um, thank you so much, Justin, for coming on the show. And we will keep in touch, of course, because um, your journey is going to be a fascinating one. And I I'd, I'd really want to be updated um, for you know
1: so that yeah. I can be in touch with your exciting journey. So thank you so much. Thank you. And I think that we're aligned anyways, too, so that perhaps our paths will across again, just because of the education framework. You're a teacher, you might have ideas that work for the module degree.
0: The, the shorter part, uh, uh, sorry, I should say this, our paths are shorter across again. So thank you so much. Yeah. And we'll speak again our soon. Pa-
1: our paths are shorter across again. Yes. <laughs> thank you.
0: That's all from me. And that's all from Dustin. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope to see you next week kind of... see you later!